bench. There's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankers put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Wednesday, January 17th with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg, and we're underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Hello, Vickers. Patrick, how are we doing, buddy? I am well. You know, I don't know if not, not everybody listening went to Sunday school, but if you did go to Sunday school, Perhaps you remember when you then went to church following Sunday school and uh, the pastor or priest or whoever it might be called all the kids up to the altar and got them to, to gather around and then told a story about something pertinent to the Bible. That was my upbringing. Maybe your upbringing's different. Um, maybe it was grandma and grandpa telling stories or whatever. I want to tell you a story about, about this uh, young man from Belarus who uh, was acquired by the Calgary Flames in late June of 2023, um, this this man with a lot of uh, a lot of syllables and a lot of uh, consonants in his last name was acquired from the New Jersey Devils in a trade that sent a very popular forward Tyler Toffoli to the New Jersey Devils. And uh, instantly, when uh, this player was acquired, it was there. There were many who did not like the decision to bring this player to the Calgary Flames. They they thought that this unknown forward with a good shot who had scored 20 plus in the national hockey league before, but this guy was not worthy of the return for Tyler Toffoli. Well, here we are about seven months later and boy, oh boy, the legend of Yegor Sharangovich has grown exponentially and good for frigging him. Like what a story this has turned into. I, I love, and look, I can guarantee you Yegor Sharangovich didn't care about 960-960 in late June when there were a lot of people who universally panned the deal and different accounts were given it an F for the Flames and so on and so forth. But I do enjoy it when a player, a general manager, a coach, whatever. I, I love it when somebody shuts up haters or shoves it down a throat. Like I, I, I love it when that happens. It's a good story. And I love it when it happens to me. I love it when I, like I, I, I love when I get so completely proven wrong by a player and I got to say, Nope, uh, I, I completely misread that one. I was wrong. I remember I, I didn't think Oliver Shillington was going to be a full-time NHLer. And I thought it was kind of done. And then he, got that opportunity in game two in, in, in the 21-22 season and played with Chris Tanev that night. I believe it was in Detroit and never looked back. And he shoved it down my throat. Like, no, I'm a, not, not, again, not like he cared what I thought, but I like it when, you know, sometimes you got to say with, with no teeth, oh, well, I was wrong on that one. Like, you <laughs> have to, that was me talking with no teeth. Um, I, I love when that happens. And Yegor Sharangovich is shoving it right in a lot of haters' faces. And and good on him. This is an awesome story. Another huge goal against Arizona where he absolutely 187 to puck. Like he killed that thing. And 
the entire team knew it went in. Ingram knew it went in. But a lot of people on the outside, me certainly down on the hot stove watching the final few minutes on TV, I was like, did that just go in? Oh, yeah, it went in. Oh, no, the horn guy knew it. Yep, uh, whoever was riding that button on the goal horn knew it was in. Like, he killed that puck. Great celebration, huge smile on his face. This guy is having a monster run and is showing more and more why the Flames saw something in him. And boy, is he vindicating the pro scout department right now, isn't he? Like the vindicate, like they, they scouted this guy well. And I just, I keep going back to it. When Craig Conroy joined us immediately after the trade was made and his first move as general manager, and he laid out the things that they like about him. Great shot, needs more opportunity, good penalty kill, good two-way play, can play all forward positions. Everything has come to pass. What they saw in him is exactly what he's giving them and doing so in spades. Good for him. And, and it didn't start well, but boy, is he rolling right now. I've just got three things to add. First of all, 187, the puck, is elite. <laughs> you like that? I, I saw it, and I had to rewrite it down to make sure that I didn't forget to give you full-on props because that is like that goes in my top three list of Steinberg-isms that are just phenomenal. Number two, I love a Pat Steinberg victory lap. No, this is not a I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, hey, everybody, I was right, you were wrong. Just the general aura of this whole thing. Number three, I don't know exactly who it is, but whoever the Eastern Conference scout based in and around New York is for the Calgary Flames probably has earned himself a raise or at least, in the very least, a little extra clout when it comes to who the Calgary Flames should acquire next from an Eastern Conference-based team because that is an absolute home run of a scouting job to pick out a player that a season prior had 13 goals in 75 games. And it wouldn't have just been watching him that year, but his progression from scoring 16 and 54 as a rookie, 24 and 76 as a sophomore, to that incredibly down year where was he not a healthy scratch in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. To, yes, let's bring him to the Calgary Flames because, and I, I can't say that the, this particular scout knew that it was going to be 18 goals through 44 games for Sharon Govich and a 33-ish goal pace, but that is a damn fine job scouting Yegor Sharangovich and identifying him as a player to bring back in a deal for Tyler yeah. Toffoli. Yeah, he's been great. And the, look, and, and I'm not, again, this is no me victory lap. I just, or you victory lap or anybody. Because I, I do remember how the text line oh, swung yeah. that day. Like it was all hate, 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 hate. And you and I are like, because our first take, so we, we get on there, we're talking about it. Literally, Elliot Friedman broke the trade on Twitter and then on the draft, on the draft floor in yep. front of us and literally came over and, and stood beside us and talked to us live on the air 14 seconds later. So we're reacting. And so we get the instant reaction on, on the program. And you and I were both like, yeah, I kind of like that return. I'm intrigued by Sharon Govich. I'm intrigued by the player, you know, Toffoli wasn't going to sign long-term. Look at some of the other deals that were made and have been made for players in similar age ranges and contract situations like Toffoli. We were like, yeah, don't mind that. Really intrigued by that. Thought Conroy did a good job. We're getting roasted on the text line. Start reading the text, and we're like, oh, geez. We, maybe we're in the minority here. Maybe we're... Oh, we are definitely in the minority. And then the text line started to swing the other way, and people were like, whoa, easy. This isn't... So there was definitely a split there, but... 
And I, I, I'm, I'm curious where somewhere, uh, where, where some of those, and I'm not trying to be a troll here. I'm not trying to say, because I, I'm wrong all the time, and I try to admit when I'm wrong as much as I can. Um, but I, I do, I do wonder where some of the people who hated this deal in late June or early October, where they are. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying call it, where, where are you at now? It's like, how are you feeling about it is, is the real question. And like, what do you feel about it now? Do you enjoy being wrong on it? Are you like happily taking that L or whatever the case may be? And here's the, here's the best part about all of this is that here we are like making Sharon Govich out to be this like stone cold killer on the ice. He's like the nicest, <laughs> most endearing human being you'll ever meet. Like yesterday, he was uh, on on Tuesday's post game. He was our our guest. Go listen to the Flames Talk post game from the win over Arizona. And uh, I go, hey, congratulations on the goal. What did you think of the win? And he goes, thank you, thank you very much. And like he just so yeah. everything's so humble. And here he is, like he's still learning the language. He's doing these interviews and like live on radio and in front of seven, eight, ten microphones talking in a foreign language and like, just listen to him here. This was Yegor on uh, Wednesday after practice. He spoke with us and, you know, was asked about comparisons to that 24 goal season. He had in New Jersey. I don't know. It's, you know, it's actually like new page, you know, everything is new, like CD, like team teammates, everything is new. And, and just, you know, try to not think it about, you know, to my, Oh, sorry. Last page, <laughs> and right now I just focus on the, on this game and to try to win, you know, the games and to give my best in this team. Does it feel as though this is the best you've ever played? Uh, I don't know. Still, you know, a lot of things we need, you know, working on, and it's like first point. It's about like D zone. Still, our line, you know, like. Still, you know, a lot of goals against, and we need to fix that. And uh, if you're playing, you know, same way, like uh, right way, and we have a good games. What feels better, a hat trick or scoring the winner in overtime? Uh, feel better when we win the game, and doesn't matter if you score or not. <laughs> okay. It looks like you're having fun out there, though. Are you having fun? Yeah, of course. You know, when you like score goals, you always have fun and win the games, you know, now it's four game streak. Of course we have fun, you know, and we just keep going and have fun more times. <laughs> you look back to the start when you arrived here in training camp, are, are you feeling much more confident now than you were then? Yeah, of course, because yeah, first like couple games, maybe 10 games, uh, feel a little bit not comfortable because like you know it's still different systems you know different like everything and right now i'm like understand everything and you know when you play it is like ls lead home uh hubie you know together a long time you know you understand now how they playing you know and we understand each other more and more and we need to just keep on there is yegor sharon govich from after practice on wednesday it's a tough guy like here we are like, yeah, Yegor Sharon Govich, 187 in pots, <laughs> and uh, this guy's a stone-cold kill. He's just like the nicest human being, always a big smile on his face. Uh, like, yeah, this guy, is, uh, this guy is turning a lot of – I. whenever you tweet something about him right now, like the amount of return or replies that you're getting – Engagement, yeah. Engage, it's just like, yeah, 
Flames fans love this guy, and I think I think there are Flames fans who didn't love the trade at first who are like, yeah, I, I love this guy. I, I was wrong there. Or people who did love the trade is like, damn, this is why I love the trade. Or just people who didn't know anything about him are like, holy cow, this guy, what what a find. Good good uh, good on Yegor. This is neat. Yeah, at the time of the trade, I was like, oh, the Flames are banking on him returning to that 25-goal pace he had in 21-22. Well, yeah, he's kind of up that a little bit, and it's funny because you do do the one eight seven in the in the hype and all that, and he's just so meek when you talk to him, so quiet, so reserved, so respectful. He's not really respecting opposing goalies so far this season because no. Connor Ingram can attest that was, and to a lesser degree, Nazem Kadri too, because he said post game, huh, I was a little too close to that shot for my liking. But was that ever just a pinpoint placement on a shot that must have come off his stick? It I don't know if it was clocked. If you saw it, but it had to be mid to high 90s for a shot from that spot. You're beating a goalie all day if you're pinpoint placing it like yep. he did with that velocity. We, we we had always heard about his shot. That was the biggest number one. Do you remember? He had. Do you remember the first time that we were like, okay, we need to see that more? Because I do. I remember it vividly. It was that shootout in Toronto. They lost the shootout. Uh, their their trip into Toronto in early November. I think it was November 10th. And I remember they captured Conroy on the broadcast <laughs> after his shootout attempt. And he had a four letter bomb. He's like something like he effing shot it or he, what a bleeping shot or whatever it was. Um, and it's true. Like he skated in just off. Like it was like a rifle. Somebody suggested on the text line Tuesday night. What about nickname? Oh, we got Sharky or, you know, Mick calls him silky or Huska calls him Sharon. What about the Belarusian rifle? I was like, that one might not catch on. Like, a for, I think it was Doug and Canmore. Um, it was like, A for effort. But that one probably won't catch on. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was creative at the very least. This uh, Here's Dan Vladar. How about uh, a goalie who goes up against him in practice? I thought Vladar gave a good little scouting report on Yegor Sharangovich after practice Wednesday, too. This shot is a little bit tricky, but you know, he's still going in. Like He's, he's sniping during, during games, doing practices, so it's not really a big surprise, but uh, you know, I'm super happy for him, and uh, I hopefully, I'm pretty, well, not hopefully, but I'm pretty sure he's just going to keep, keep scoring. You see his shot in practice. What makes it tricky from goaltender's point of view? He, oh, he like he kind he kind of looks like he's gonna pull it and shoot, but he like, almost like throws it, and his hands are like kind of weird, like up top, like close together. It's just just a weird shot, I don't know. But if they didn't have a didn't have a good sticks in Belarus or something, but it's just <laughs> this is just a weird shot. But it, no, but it's good. It's not even like that heavy, but he just he just knows where he's going. And as I said, like um, I I know for a fact that he's gonna keep scoring because he's really good and he's right hot. I don't know if they had good <laughs> sticks in Belarus or what, but Dan Vladar with a little scouting report on Yegor Sharangovich's shot as well. Um, hey, good on him. It's been a cool story. Um, and I honestly believe the Flames do not work themselves back into the mix without a few things happening. Without the emergence of Connor Zary or addition of Connor Zary and without the emergence of Yegor Sharangovich, those two things in my eyes, along with the consistency of Kadri, the consistency of the offense from the back, and and the consistency they've gotten from Jacob between the pipes this year. But if those two things don't happen and the the offense isn't transformed the way those guys have transformed it, 
I don't think that the Flames are where they are in the standings. I think they're still way more in a chasing position than they are right now. And I think Sharon Govich is the type of player that can really help the Flames pivot quickly. Not just him specifically, but other players like him. Guys that the Flames scout well, and their pro scouting department pinpoints. And when they are all of a sudden, hey, Colorado really wants Lindholm. And now all of a sudden, you've got your pro scouts all over Colorado's guys further down the depth chart in the at the NHL level, American League level, or some of their guys who are maybe knocking on the door and ready for next season or something like that. In the 22 to 24 age range, another couple finds like Sharon Govich cool. in a couple of trades here. Yeah, the narrative about a pivot or how quickly they can be much more competitive and much more higher end. That that flips pretty quickly, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. If you can go out and you can, and I don't even know if I necessarily like the term of a reclamation project or a buy low candidate, but if you can find some value. Underutilized, Underutilized, right? that's a great way to put it. If you can find some players that are underutilized around the league that you are or your scouting staff are incredibly confident on, take a swing or two. Not everyone's going to work out like a Sharon Govich, and to a degree it'll be a, you're going to have to, find a bunch of candidates and hope that some of them hit. Cause not every one of them is going to just take off the way that Sharon Govich has, but suddenly you find one or two more. Yeah. It exponentially speeds up a retool or rebuild or whatever word you want to use, because those are impact players and he is starting to become a massive game breaker for the Calgary flames. I joke post game in the elevator that seemed like Sharon Govich had went a little quiet. Yeah. He went five days without a goal. And that one game was Saturday against, Vegas. So he didn't really even have a time to go cold and suddenly he's got six goals in his last four games. And, and again, what a shot, what an exclamation mark on his most recent one. Few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, this says Sheriff Sharon Govich. I don't mind that one. Yeah. I'll read, I'll read that. Yeah. One yeah. Here. Yeah. You know exactly um, which one this says, who can Sharon Govich talk to in his language on the team? Just curious. Uh, I'm not really sure now that, uh, I mean, when Solovyov's up him, they're both Belarusian. Zadorov's gone, uh, and and my very um, my not so great knowledge of the Slavic languages, but I think I think Belarusian and Russian are pretty interchangeable, so you can understand kind of like the Nordic ones, like Swedish, Norwegian, like you can those are kind of interchangeable, and you can understand them. Um, so I, I I don't know I don't know what the you know that type of might just be more like a international city where everybody just talks in English in the Flames room. Um, but I, I honestly don't know. Um, this says, how about Ringo for Sharon Govich? Don't mind that. Um, <laughs> Dear Eric Francis, do you like me now? Sincerely, Yegor Sharon Govich. To Francis's credit, he has definitely come around on Yegor. I don't know if, does, does Francis ever take L's? But I think he's come around on <laughs> I think he's come around on him. Um, Shaggy or Sharky are good. Uh, I like Sharon Golvich. This says somebody scoring Golvich. Eh. Eh. Yeah. I, I like, I, it's not bad. I, I give you credit for the creativity scoring Golvich. This doesn't roll off the tongue quite the same way. Uh, Peter from Bridgeland says super stoked. They were able to get the comeback win. They should play my Sharona when Yegor scores. Don't mind that. Um, 
lot of talk about goal songs after Coleman's switch to uh, Roar by Katy Perry. He came in post-game know, singing it, I and know. it was fantastic. Or as Julian McKenzie called it, Eye of the Tiger. Oof. What? He deleted it, but I saw. J-Mac, I saw you call it Eye of the Tiger. That's Oof. a Survivor song. Completely different genre. Kids these days. These kids these days. I'm telling you. Get off my lawn. Julian McKenzie. Come on. Eye of the Tiger. This says, don't forget, they also got a third-round pick. How yeah. about this? I like this one. Dirty Sherry. I don't mind that at That's all. That's the one you saw when you looked over. I got real excited about. Dirty you can Sherry. Tell. I like that. Uh, on June 29th, I texted you guys, A-, minus, high potential, but some risk. Now I feel like a genius. Uh, this says, I'm happy I was wrong. I love Toffoli as a flame, but Yegor has been great, and I love his age, especially if the Flames are doing any kind of retool. That's from Andrew. This reads, it's okay, Pat. I'm taking victory laps constantly, shooting screenshots from the summer to my friends all day. <laughs> love I like it. that. Well done. Matt and Cochran says, I didn't know enough about Yegor, but I felt at the time that Conroy didn't get enough back in the trade at the time. Uh, this from Mike, who said, we'll admit it was scary trading the team's top goal and point getter for a project, but I was at least a little relieved hearing other teams were very interested in Sharon Govich, too. Uh, this reads from Glenmore Trail Steve, Steve or uh, stuck in traffic on Glenmore Trail. Pat, I texted you guys from Vegas, stuck in traffic on the strip that day, saying I like the trade, still love it, even more stuck in traffic on Glenmore. And uh, Jordan in the snow in Kelowna liked my uh, 187 reference. Um, Murray in Rocky Mountain House, want to see Sharky playing center with Huberdeau and Coronado. There's just a few more as the Yegor showing Sharon Govich legend grows. I'm a little partial to this combo platter here of Jonathan Huberdo and Sharon Govich together. Hubie doing Shaggy. Hubie doing Shaggy. No? It the way you said it, it's, it <laughs> I, sounded, I killed it. It sounded very different in my ears. It sounded like I can't say what I thought I heard. It's probably I mean, don't get me wrong. The best one here is Dirty Sherry. Dirty Sherry's awesome. Because uh, he is. Those are filthy goals. Uh, Patrick from Hanson Ranch says, I always love this trade. Conroy went for younger and more talented. Plus, they aren't stuck with a long-term contract of an old player. Just don't like that the Flames are in the middle again. Well, we'll see where that ends up. Um, somebody else goes, uh, Fernando likes my Sharona by the knack. Um, this, uh, he should be shaggy, and his song could be Mr. Boombastic. I don't mind that at all. Shaggy? I don't mind that at all if they were to go that way. Jose goes, Govi the goal machine. Again, not right off the tongue on that one. This says the show. That one's all right. I don't mind that. Dude is playing some ridiculous hockey Correct. right now. Uh, it's Steinberg and Vickers along with you. We're coming at you on this Wednesday from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. We're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you on this Wednesday edition of Flamestock. And as we go inside hockey, we say hello to our 
Pacific Division Insider from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Jonathan Davis now joins us to spin us around a, hmm, I don't want to say rapidly changing, but definitely different looking Pacific Division all of a sudden. Uh, hello, JD. How we doing? We're doing okay. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm when doing you're well. in your neck of the woods last night. What's that? It was a fun one in your neck of the woods last night. Yeah, for about 12 minutes. The first 48 we could have done without. But the way it, it was, uh, this that was not the, um, that was the, the world's masterpiece 48-minute hockey game. But the last 12 was pretty exciting. I'll, I'll give them that much. Um, well, and it's funny. You know, J.D., is, as the, I, I'm looking through the topics we're going to hit on today, you know, you've got, You've got the Oilers, of course. You've got the the Kings in Vegas who have opened the door a crack in the Pacific Division. we got a lot to get into here. So let's, I guess, start because at the same time as the Flames were coming back to beat Arizona, the Oilers were coming back to beat Toronto on home ice as well and uh, have now won 11 straight. And that L.A.-Edmonton rivalry, they've met twice in the first round uh, the last couple of years, and now the Oilers are right back on their heels in the Western Conference and Pacific Division race. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, how a couple of weeks have uh, really changed things, Pat. And, uh, you know, it's what's going on in Edmonton. I mean, you almost just, you wonder if, you know, did it just took time to adjust to what Jay Woodcroft was trying to implement in Edmonton. And it looks like they've kind of followed through on that. And, you know, Connor McDavid, does, you know, I think, has come to the realization maybe that he doesn't need to score 150 points for, for this team to be successful. And, and we're just seeing them win, you know, three, two, two, one, you know, four, two with an empty netter last night. It's not, and, and they're doing it without scoring on the power play. So, and last night, you know, it's, it's names like Derek Ryan and Ryan McLeod that, you know, are, are, are center stage last night. So, you know, for Edmonton, it's, it's a much different look and something that, uh, you know, I think Oilers fans had hoped for for quite some time. Yeah, it's funny you talk about you, you hype that game up. I, I still, still a head scratcher that wasn't a national game on Tuesday, but I digress. Oh. Um, the uh, the you, you take a look at like Oilers, Leafs, Matthews, McDavid, Drysaddle, Marner, Tavares, Hyman, blah 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 blah, and you're like, oh well, they're gonna be it's gonna be a ten ten nine game. There's gonna be a it's they haven't necessarily been those offensive explosions, have they? They haven't. I mean, yeah, 15, I think it's what, two of their last 15 games have, have featured more than seven goals. So, you know, um, they have been low-scoring games, surprisingly. They wouldn't have anticipated that with all that firepower out there. And then, you know, we saw what happened last night. You know, Austin Matthews scores, you know, in the first minute of the game, and you're like, wow, okay, we, we may have an explosion tonight. And then, you know, it just kind of settled in right after that. Uh, but give credit to the Oilers, you know, especially, you know, in their last, what, you know, they've come back in, what, four straight, four, four or five of their, you know, five of their, four, four I believe. Straight games yeah. Have come, yeah. Five, five you know, now, five now with, with Tuesday night, I think. Yeah, right. So, you know, we're, we're just, we're seeing something different from Edmonton. And that's not good for the rest of the league. Uh, we thought that the Oilers, well, you know, maybe they wouldn't have to see them come playoff time. Yeah, un- unfortunately, I think that that is um, is probably not going to be the case. Uh, it's funny they've got yeah. the it, 
th- there's a potential anyway that Saturday night it could be 17 straight wins between the Flames and Oilers if they if they were to meet. The Oilers have got to beat their next team, Seattle. The Flames have got to beat the Maple Leafs on Thursday, which in either case is not going to be a gimme or, or a walk in the park by any means. But what what, what are we uh, what are we looking at up next for the Oilers? What's uh, what does their schedule start to shape up as? Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes a little more friendly, you know, uh, the rest of the way. I mean, I think you've, you've got a little bit of Columbus and and Chicago in there. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, when, when are they going to find, you know, they, they kind of escaped that little rough patch. So um, as I'm trying to remember here, as I was sharing with you, uh, what is it now? It's, yeah, Calgary. So it's Seattle, Calgary, Columbus, and Chicago. That's not so bad going into the break. Um you know, the, the Seattle games have been uh, high-scoring affairs. The the Kraken, you know, got them earlier in the year. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think their best chance to see that streak come to an end would, like, you know, could be the Battle of Alberta. Yeah. I can guarantee you if the Oilers have won 12 straight, um, the yeah. Flames will be all in on ending that streak <laughs> on Saturday. I can tell you that. For sure. Um, you know, we mentioned that the Oilers have opened uh, or, or have walked through an open door. Not only have they gone on this surge in franchise record 11 straight wins, but the LA Kings have all of a sudden gone the other way. They were on such a, a great run for the first third of the season. Uh, but as, as the halfway mark has now been passed, all of a sudden LA is, is in dire straits right now. Yeah, they really are. I mean, you know, lost nine of 10. And while the Oilers are coming back from two goal deficits, the Kings are, are doing, you know, are doing the opposite. They're giving up two goal leads in a lot of these games. Or, you know, like in, in their game against Florida, they led one nothing, 2-1 and got tied at two and then give up a winner with what, like seven tenths of a second to go in overtime. Absolutely inexcusable. You know, they, they, they righted the ship against uh, Carolina on, on Monday afternoon. I uh, thought that Carolina actually got the better of the play. LA worked really hard to get that win. And then, you know, they're in a bad spot last night. They go into Dallas. It's back-to-back. It's three and four. That's never an enviable spot. They find themselves down 2-1 after 20. And, Pat, I really thought the second period, you know, they, they outplayed Dallas, had a chance at least, at the very least, to get the game tied and, and couldn't. And then they just ran out of gas. Uh, but they're – you know, the, Rob Blake will meet with the, the media tomorrow uh, at noon Pacific time. And it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if I'm making too much of it, but, you know, I, it, it got released. You know, the Kings sent out a press release last night during the third period of the game. It just seemed like an odd time to let us all know that, that Rob Blake was going to be available. I mean, other GMs have met with the media at, at the halfway point. So that in itself isn't surprising. I had, you know, I was just like, oh my God, could they be you know, firing Todd McClellan? Is that possible? I don't know what they do to turn things around, Pat, because it's not like there's a superstar on this team. Talked many times about, you know, some of the parts is greater than any one individual on this team. And Kopitar has got 39 points in 41 games. Finally, you know, he's dipped again below that point of game number. And it's, it's a really good number for, you know, it's a great season for Kopitar, but you know, that's still like what, like, you know, 45th in scoring. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of the conversations that we have in this market as well about no superstars on this roster. What, uh, what's up next for the Kings here? 
Well, it's Nashville who, uh, you know, they've lost four, six, two at home and seven of their last 10 overall. And then, oh, by the way, familiar face comes back into town Saturday night, Jonathan Quick and the Rangers, and Quick's already beat his former team once this year. Uh, You know, it's – I just wonder, you know, if – you know, Tom McClellan obviously is still coaching this team, but at what point, you know, do we get into that critical stage if we already haven't reached it? Um, This is not going to be an easy week for for L.A. And conceivably, yeah, they could have – they could be losers of 11 of 12. Uh, and, you know, Seattle could surpass them. Edmonton could, could surpass them. There, there's not, you know, it, I've said in other places, Pat, it's not like L.A.'s got a guy like Connor Zary that's sitting in the minors that they can try to use as a jolt to the lineup. Um, they're going to have to figure it out from within, and they better figure it out pretty quickly. We're chatting with Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider spinning us around the uh, rapidly changing Pacific Division on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. And the other team that is in some dire straits and all of a sudden has left the door open is the Vegas Golden Knights. And and their injury news just keeps on getting worse, doesn't it? It does. And so, you know, look, what they've lost, I think it's, what, 8 of 12, um, you know, yeah, they're in a bad run, but they're doing it. You know, this is a team, as you just said, they're depleted. It's it's Jack Eichel now week to week. It's been William Carlson for an extended period of time. It's Will Carrier. It's Ben Hutton. You know, they sign uh, T- Tobias Bjornfoot off waivers. He immediately goes down. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is. And, you know, and, and Aiden Hill and Ned. I mean, it's so I think, you know, Vegas is a different situation. But the one. The one difference in Vegas, you know, you, I heard Mark Stone with Scott Oak on Saturday night, and, you know, there, there's not panic. And I hear Jonathan Marcheseau talk about the fact that, okay, we've got guys out, but it's, it's got to be his time, as he said, to, to step things up and to, turn, and, and to help right the ship in Vegas. And, and you hear, you're hearing a lot of the right, the, the right things out of the Golden Knights. Um, don't hear that with a lot of other teams. I don't know if you caught Mitch Marner's postgame last night, after the Leafs loss, but I don't want to hear that the Leafs are a great team, Mitch, you know, uh, you're not. And I, I want to hear a lot. I want to hear a different tone. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't see it initially. I saw the people ripping the quote and then uh, I finally saw the quote online. I, I, I understand where Leafs fans are coming from. I also understand what Mitch Marner is trying to say, but I uh, I get why, as a fan, you're like, this is not what you want to hear right now in that situation. I, I definitely get that. Um, tell us yeah. about – oh, go ahead. Go ahead quickly before we uh, – no, before... no, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, tell us about uh, Brendan Brisson and uh, Mark Stone because a couple of interesting notes with those two players. Yeah. I mean, look, in the case of Brendan Brisson, you know, people in the hockey world may – may know that name, but not because, you know, because of his dad, Pat Brisson, who's the super agent, you know, who represents the likes of Jack Eichel and Anze Kopitar and Sidney Crosby and Patrick Kane, just to name a few. And his son, who was the, their first round draft pick in 2020 made his NHL debut uh, on Monday afternoon, you know, didn't register a point, but you know, this is where, you know, Vegas is, you know, they're, they're, you know, they, they finally got themselves, uh, their first homegrown goalie in, in Yuri Patera, who's seen some time. Dorofiev is another guy that was a draft pick of theirs that's, that's worked his way in. And now with the injuries, Brendan Brisson's got an opportunity. So 
you know, it's another kid who, who grew up playing his hockey initially in L.A. before heading off to, to Shattuck and then going to the USHL. But a, a real neat story. And it was interesting. He had to call his mom uh, the day of the call-up because he knew, I think, she was supposed to be heading out of town huh. for a little, uh, you know, I don't know, business pleasure, whatever it was. She was not, she was, she was not going to be in L.A. initially. And he told her, right, you're going to have to pump the brakes on wherever you're going because now you're coming to Vegas. And in the case of Mark Stone, surprisingly, I mean, his first ever uh, regular season hat trick on on Monday. Uh, you know, he had that one in, in, what, in, in the final game of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but here was his first regular season hat trick. And, you know, look, this is, again, where, where you, when you don't have Eichel, you don't have Carlson, you know, this is where your captain, you know, steps up. And, and he mm-hmm. did in a big way on Monday in that win against Nashville. Let's uh, wrap in the Pacific Northwest and or Lower Mainland. Uh, start in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, the the Canucks, boy, I, I know they end up losing in the shootout to Columbus, but you know they they um, they're a team that is battling for number one overall and number one in the conference. And you do that because you don't string losses together very often. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. The Canucks and the Florida Panthers heading into today are the only teams in the NHL that have yet to have a losing streak of three or more. And if you, you know, so that kind of explains, helps to explain why the Canucks are 29, 11, and four on the year. And, uh, you know, 62 points finds them tied with Winnipeg um, in the points race. So the Jets do have a game in hand. but it, it, it continues to be a remarkable run for Vancouver. And you look at Thatcher Demko, and I, I was stunned by this one. I mean, I didn't realize that Demko only had three shutouts in his career heading into this season, and he's already picked up four uh, this year. Uh, kind of tells you a lot. <laughs> See how Demko is, has rebounded. Uh, so it is a great story. Yeah, the fact that they lost in Columbus, I wasn't surprised. I mean, it's a long road trip, what, five, six games you know, you're, you're, you're bound to lay an egg and, you know, you lost in a shootout at the end of the day. Yeah. Not the worst thing in the world. No, agreed. You still um, got a point out of it. And, you know, the, the Flames have got the Maple Leafs. The Oilers just got the Maple Leafs. And then uh, the yeah. Canucks are going to get them on Saturday night. Yeah, and I think for Vancouver, that's I think it's a pretty significant game because they were embarrassed earlier in the year in Toronto. I mean, they, they did not look like a team that belonged to be put in that elite conversation in that game. So I, I have to believe that for the Canucks, this is one where they're, they're looking for some retribution and I would expect them to jump out really quickly. Uh, very happy that this is a game that that's, you know, national TV uh, on Saturday night. I agree with you. I don't know. You know, I, you know, your, your, uh, your bosses, I think missed the boat in not putting, Matthews and, and, and McDavid in, in, you know, in the national spotlight last night, just feels like at least moving that game to Wednesday night. And some, you know, feels like the NHL, like you're like, if you're, if you're the league, you just like, these are automatic things. Like, Hey, yeah. Whenever, whenever Matthews and McDavid play, that's on national TV, both countries. Right. Yes. Well, you know, it's a harder sell here. It is tough. It's tough because they're not going to, you know, the ratings don't count you know, in, in the U.S. market with two Canadian teams. So I understand why not, like, it's not an ESPN game. I get it. Or it's not a TNT game. I get it. You need to have at least one American team, but no excuse for that not being that coast to coast across Canada when those two are playing. Uh, let's wrap in Seattle, um, yeah. who uh, now after winning all those games in a row, 
have now hit the skids a little bit. But though the, that win, obviously, a win streak's going to come to an end. And what looked like a nightmare season after making the playoffs last year, they've gotten themselves right back in this playoff mix due to that win streak. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, you know, they got hot at, at the right time. Just, just like Calgary and Edmonton, they've taken advantage of what, you know, LA's misfortune. And so, yeah, that eight-game win streak, and they've lost back to back. And, you know, they had a they had a tough one in, in Pittsburgh, and then, you know, they they got pretty much handled against the Rangers. It, you know, not not necessarily a surprise. Um, but you know, you you take the positives from that win streak, and that they were able to hold you know, the opposition to two goals or less during that streak, that's very encouraging. And now they come home and they get Chicago, St. Louis, Columbus, San Jose. So, you know, look, they, they've got a realistic shot at, at six of eight points, for I think. And if they can come away with that, well, then they're going to continue to put the heat on the L.A. Kings and, and make life miserable for them. Uh, in saying that, when you t- start to take a look at, at the standings, maybe not the greatest spot for the Kraken, as it stands right now when it comes to some of those tie breaks, right? Well, that's the thing you got to pay attention to. Don't, you know, don't look at the points. You know, look at the points, fine, I get it. But you got to look at regulation wins because that's, that's the first tiebreaker. So, yeah, yeah, you know, Nationals and Edmonton are, you know, are two points up on Seattle points-wise. But Seattle trails Nashville by three games in the regulation win column and Edmonton four. So that's pretty significant. So now, you know, you're not just two, um, you know, you're, you're really, you know, seven uh, behind Nashville because you've got to make up those wins, those regulation wins, and you're further behind Edmonton. So, yeah, Seattle's got themselves in a, in a tough spot because right now they're not winning any tiebreakers. Yeah. Um. All right, J.D., uh, get out of here. As always, appreciate the insight around the division. It's always great to catch up, and feels like it's going to be a really interesting division to track as we move into the second half of the season. Great stuff, pal. I appreciate it as always. Have a great week. Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us every Wednesday here on Flames Talk, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary, top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you, only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today as we start to wrap up this hour. Thanks to uh, Aaron Vickers. My pleasure, as always. On Twitter at AA Vickers. Thanks to Cam and Shan, our producers as well. This hour wraps up, and this hour's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.